Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the second episode of Teaching Tuesday on the Interlude Podcast. So with popular request, I am going to talk about the latest data with cancer and COVID-19. So on this episode, I'm going to talk about some recent data that's been published, how that's shaping how we care for patients during the pandemic, and where we go from here. The data with COVID is evolving rapidly, so this content may be useful today and in the next few weeks, but may be outdated several months down the road. So something important to keep in mind depending on when you end up listening to this. As always, and especially with this, I really suggest and making sure that you're following up with where things are with the pandemic and speaking with your medical team about how that impacts your care. The discussion today is really meant to kind of give an overview, but because things change so rapidly, it really should not and cannot guide your particular medical care. Let's get right to it. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. So for those of you who don't know, I am located in New Jersey, and New Jersey is experiencing a surge in COVID cases, whether we are approaching the second wave or we're in the second wave, I don't think anybody knows, but the number of cases is rising rapidly as we are seeing in the majority of the country. Naturally, this raises a lot more questions again about healthcare and how we are going to treat patients. Back in March, everything shut down. People stopped going to work, Hospitals, many hospitals, at least in New Jersey, were mandated to stop doing elective surgeries. And we switched primarily to telehealth and virtual visits. Hospitals were full of COVID patients. And everyone is scared and anxious that we are heading in that direction again. I obviously do not know what's going to happen with regards to some of those policies and those hospital rules and and all of that. But I think that we can arm ourselves with the information about cancer and COVID as we go into the next few weeks and months. When everything was first coming out, we really thought that patients with cancer and specifically active cancer on treatments such as chemotherapy were at higher risk. And there were studies initially that said, yes, if you have active cancer, if you're getting chemotherapy, you're at higher risk. And a lot of and what that ended up and resulted in was that a lot of patients stopped their chemotherapy for or postponed their chemotherapy for whatever reason. And as the time has progressed, we've had great data come out of several large institutions looking at hundreds to thousands of patients to say, well, what really is the risk? Who is at risk? And how that should shape our recommendations to proceed or limit cancer-directed therapy. 
So obviously the first question that comes up and I get all the time is, I have cancer. Am I at increased risk of contracting COVID or am I at increased risk of complications if I do contract COVID? The short answer to that is not all cancers are the same. The virtue of just having a cancer or any cancer does not automatically increase your risk of COVID-19 or complications. However, there are certain cancers that have been shown to increase the risk of complications from COVID. And specifically, the two cancers that we have seen repeatedly in studies are hematologic malignancies, such as leukemia or lymphoma, and lung cancer. What we have seen emerge is that different cancer types have different susceptibilities to COVID side effects and risks of critical or severe illness from COVID. And that's where the lung cancer and the hematologic malignancies have emerged as being at much higher risk compared to other cancers. Chemotherapy on its own has not been shown to have worse outcomes from COVID and has not been shown to increase your risk for COVID in kind of as a whole, but then you have to also look at patients' underlying comorbidities. So people with lung disease who are older, with lots of other medical issues may be at higher risk, but chemo kind of as a whole does not increase the risk when you're just looking at that one factor. Overall, a lot of the studies that have come out recently are kind of saying that same thing. There are a lot of caveats to that. So the first thing is that these, a lot of these studies were looking at patients at the height of the pandemic, kind of March, April, May, and a lot has evolved since then in terms of treatment and therapies for COVID. So it's hard to say, knowing what we know now about how to treat COVID, whether those numbers and statistics still hold true or whether they are still there, but maybe to a lesser extent. So another caveat is that a lot of these studies are done in institutions that had a lot of COVID that were in New York City or other places that had a lot of affected and sick patients. And as a result, they either had COVID response command centers, they had teams, they had this really full-on dedicated effort. And I don't necessarily know if those studies would apply to let's say smaller facilities or places that maybe didn't have as much COVID. Um, again, you, you know, when you have a study, you want to say, is it generalizable or applicable to everyone? And sometimes that may be hard to do that in this case. One of the studies particularly commented on that they didn't have race information on their participants. And so it makes it again hard to generalize that information to the population because we do know that there are racial disparities with COVID that have, we have seen. Ultimately, what we can take from the emerging data is that not all cancer patients have the same risk, not all cancer types have the same risk, and what we know so far is that patients with lung cancer and hematologic malignancies, leukemia, lymphoma, as well as others, are at higher risk of complications from COVID-19. I want to clarify again, that does not mean that other cancer types are not at higher risk, but when you look at a conglomerate, there are certain patterns that emerge. 
I also want to clarify that individual comorbidities, age, other medical problems may change that risk on an individual level. Knowing all that, how does that affect you? You're listening to this podcast and you may be thinking, I've been diagnosed with cancer, a family member or friend has been diagnosed with cancer. How does that impact their life on a day-to-day level? What I really, really want to stress is that knowing that information, and let's say you don't fall into the lung cancer or the hematologic malignancy category, it does not mean that you are free of risk. It does not mean that you should not continue to wear a mask and practice social distancing and avoid large crowds and gatherings or any crowds and gatherings where people are not masked. Knowing that maybe you're not at higher risk compared to somebody else does not give anybody a free pass to not practice those safe behaviors that we know protect us and others from COVID. However, what it really does mean is that we saw and we still see so many patients who were hesitant about going for their cancer screening or going for chemotherapy or other cancer-directed therapy because they were afraid of COVID. And I think that this information really should change or affect how we think about that. When we didn't know what was happening as things were evolving back in March, we made decisions without a lot of data. And now we have this data. So when we have a patient who may need cancer or um, chemotherapy for their lung cancer or immunotherapy for their lung cancer, and let's say they're elderly and have other medical problems, we may think about that person differently compared to a younger woman who needs treatment for colon or breast cancer. Just, for, just as an example, we may think about our goals of care differently. Is it an early stage cancer? Is it a late stage cancer? What are we trying to accomplish with our cancer-directed therapy? You also have to take into account the situation and the environment and the location where somebody is at that time. How we approach these things in the summer was very different than how we're approaching them right now, again, as we're either entering or have entered the second wave, at least in New Jersey. But what we do know is that a lot of people are putting off cancer screening. And I really, this is a plug to not do that. This is a plug to go get your mammogram, to get your colonoscopy if you can, to get your pap smear or any other testing that you may need. Because the downstream effects of that, what we're going to see, we're not seeing a lot of early stage cancer diagnosed right now. We have seen a lower number of new early diagnoses of breast cancer. It does not mean that breast cancer has gone away. It means that people aren't going for their mammograms. And as you can imagine, if we're not going to pick up cancer at its earliest stages, we're going to pick it up when it's much more advanced and has poor outcomes. My goal here today is threefold. Number one, I've shared with you the latest data on cancer in COVID-19. And what we know is that not all cancer types are the same with regards to side effects and and risk of severe complications from COVID. Lung cancer and hematologic malignancies 
seem to be at higher risk, as we've seen in several studies. There have been other factors in individual studies that have emerged, but lung cancer and hematologic malignancies stand out repeatedly. Chemotherapy on its own does not necessarily increase your risk of complications or of contracting COVID. But again, when you combine that with other factors, there may be a higher risk. So this is something that you would talk to your oncologist or cancer team about. Number two, that information doesn't mean that we shouldn't be wearing masks and practicing social distancing and avoiding gatherings. You still want to do the same safe behaviors practice the same safe behaviors you've been practicing the whole time. And if you are in an area where the numbers are rising or there's a surge or a second wave, call it whatever you want, then you're going to double down on those safe behaviors, especially as cold and flu season is approaching. What it does mean is that we're balancing what we know about cancer and COVID with necessity for treatment we're taking that information and factoring into our decisions when we sit with the patient and make a plan about cancer-directed therapy. And the third and final point is, although yes, having cancer and having certain, certain cancers and certain treatments put you at risk of COVID-19, it really does not mean that cancer screening should stop. As I mentioned, we're seeing less early stage breast cancer diagnosed it didn't go away. It's that people aren't going for their mammograms. You may not live in an area where it's safe to do so right this second, or it may be safe, but this is a conversation you have with your healthcare team. If you are nervous about precautions, about safety, about facilities, location, call them up and say, I need to get my mammogram. I need to get my colonoscopy. Tell me about the precautions that you've put in place. All healthcare facilities, doctors, medical teams want people to get their cancer screening. And so they are taking as, as careful precautions as is possible to make sure that that gets accomplished. On that note, I urge all of you to wear a mask, to stay safe, to talk to your doctor, to not postpone your cancer screening or treatment if that's the decision that you come to, and to get a flu shot. If you found this episode helpful, please share with a friend, with a family member. And if you can spare a minute or two, please take a moment to leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, as that is the best way to help me bring the show to new listeners. As always, you can find me on any social media platform at Dr. Toplinski. I'm primarily on Instagram, but I'm also on Facebook and Twitter as well reach out, tell me what you thought about this episode. If you have ideas or questions or things you want to see on further episodes or future episodes, I am always very interested and happy to hear them and to have that conversation. Have a great day and I will see all of you soon.